They've been consistent at one thing, being rebellious, the nation of Israel. What in the world is God going to do with Israel? Well, stick around and find out. A rebellious son, straight on through Genesis to Revelation, that's how the Bible represents the nation of Israel. That's how God represents Israel. Yet Israel is still a son. So what in the world is God going to do with this rebellious child? Well, that's the question we're seeking to answer here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the broadcast. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we return to the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 11 through 33. Here's our teacher and pastor now, Phil Howard, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. The Gentiles who were not seeking for God have found God. The Jews who were doing everything in their power to win God's favor have missed out. But he said, there's a remnant of us that got it, that God chose us by grace, and we're, God's obviously working with the Jewish people. I want you to know that. Then he says, uh, no, before I do that, I thought I would show you. Look at Ephesians. Let's just give you something. Uh, Six points. I want you to write this down. You'll be tested on it next week. Uh, Six things about your personal election in the family of God. Has God chosen you? How many has God chosen? You know that. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, How many say, I'm not chosen? How many say, I don't know? Well, let me tell you, if you put faith in Christ, there's six things he wants you to know that election is the sovereign right of God to choose whom he will to be his children. Not everybody's God's children. You hear the fatherhood of God. We're all God's children. You've got to qualify that. We're God's children by creation, but we're not his by divine birth. We were all created. God would take that where he's the creator. In that sense, all humanity came from God. But in the sense of knowing God personally, that's a technical language. Watch what he says in Ephesians. Six things I want you to get. Watch this. Verse 4. Are you there? Uh, Chapter 1. Walk in the Spirit and you'll know the exact chapters. Being ornery, I'm sorry, I think. Look at verse 4. For he chose us. Now, who is the he? Praise be to the God and Father. He's talking about verse 3. So, it's God. God the Father, the source of our election is God the Father. He's the source. Number one, you got that? It's right there. You Bible lovers, underscore that. The sphere of our election chose us in him. Who's the him? Christ, in Christ. Thirdly, the time of our election. You just tell me. Before the... You mean I hadn't done any good works yet? When is before the creation of the world? I think it's back here. That's when he chose you. Do you see that? Are you looking at that verse? When did God choose you? Wait, 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 wait. I, I got saved uh, in uh, 1958. I thought God chose me that night. No. He, he had the plan back here 
he just finally added me to his family in 58. But he already had a plan. Can God have a plan all the way from eternity? He does. By the way, lest I forget, I was going to announce this. May 2nd, Tommy Bradford, Independent Holiness Church on South 16th Street, Richmond. They're going to dedicate their new building. Now, you, cho- you saints here gave $10,000 when that building burned down to replace all their instruments. So, we, we furnished all the instruments that they're using now. Tommy said, you're the only church that helped us. And they're going to dedicate it on the uh, May 2nd. And I'm going to preach that dedication. We're going to take our choir, and we're going to have a good time. And I got saved just a block away. So I'm going to go over and see the church where I got saved. Ephesians, Church of God in Christ building. You want to keep that in your mind. May 2nd, we want to invade that place. And we want to rejoice. What does that get to do? It just came to my mind before he turned. That's just free. I, I meant to say it. Edit that out of the sermon. He chose us in him, the Father, Source, the Sphere, Christ, the time before the creation of the world, the purpose of our election, to be wild, to be backslid and ornery, oh, oh, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Oh, okay. Uh, What was the motive? What made God do it? In love, he, he predestined us. Are there any us here? Us. And what was the basis for it? Watch this, watch this, watch this. To the praise of his glorious grace in accordance with his pleasure and will. The basis of it was, it's my good pleasure. It's in keeping with what I want to do. And I've consulted no one. And you got in. And you got in. I'm chosen. On my worst day, I'm chosen. Do you ever just get in front of the mirror, especially when someone's talked bad about you? You get in front of the mirror and just say, I'm not everything they said I was, but I am a lot of things they don't even know yet because I know me. But on my worst day, Lord, you made me your choice. I'm yours. I'm one of your choices. Whatever it is, good, bad, or it's your fault I'm saved. Huh? It's your fault. I I would have never, if you'd left me alone, I would have been lost. You're hard to stay lost with, God, when you want to save me. It was your idea. I'm yours by divine choice. And then he says he's even ordained the kind of ministry you ought to do. He's ordained a life of good works in Ephesians 2.10. What does this stuff do? It gives you meaning and purpose in the thick of suffering. No matter what's coming or going, God, God was thinking about me in eternity past. How could he forget me now? For what he began in me, he will complete in me. He cannot give up what he started. He will complete. He will complete what he began. Some of you, he's never begun yet because we don't know where you are. There's no faith. I'm still looking. I'm just checking it out. I'm just, you just keep checking all you want. It won't change God, but it's going to change where you're going to be. 
Because God is not hard luck about filling heaven. He's going to fill heaven with everybody he's chosen. I hope you're there. I hope you're there. I know I'm going to heaven. You can know that. Does that sound cocky? Can you know you're going to heaven? I said, can you know it? Yeah. Can you know you're going to hell? Absolutely. What a, what a joy. And did you ever sing since Jesus came into my heart? What a joy in my heart since he came. I knew the day I canceled my ticket to hell and I signed up for heaven. I know the day. I know the day. And he's saying here, God is choosing a remnant people out from among the Jews, just like he's doing it among the Gentiles. And now he goes to the hard part, but he's also hardening. And we want to look at three things about the hardening. He begins back to Romans 11. He begins to define the hardening from verse 7 through the end. God hardens. What is the hardening? Look at this verse. What then? Israel obtained it, but the others were hardened. Uh, That word hardened means spiritual drowsiness, spiritual insensitivity. And he's going to describe it by quoting Moses, uh, quoting Isaiah, and quoting Psalm 69. So he goes through all three parts of the Old Testament. Israel, you have become drowsy. You, you, you become what you can't hear. You're saying, huh, huh, huh. You don't get it. You don't see it. The Messiah was right there in front of you, and you're stumbling. What are you stumbling for? You, you can't see. You, he's doing miracles. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's doing things the prophet said. He, he read the scroll there in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me. And read it right there in the synagogue. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Why didn't they get it? How is it you can't get it? God has said through the law, when you go from me, I'm going to bring a stupor on you. I'm going to bring a blindness to you. I'm going to bring it so you can't get it. He said in 2 Corinthians 3 that when they read the law of Moses, they don't see that the glory has left the old covenant because the veil is not taken on to understand the Old Testament until you receive Christ. Then he removes the veil and you can understand the Old Testament. That's why the rabbis can't figure it out. They've never received Christ. He unfolds the scriptures. Paul said, when I preach, I smell like rotting death to some, and to others, I smell like life. The same message, the same messenger, the different effects on people. One is chosen, one is enlightened, the other falls into a stupor. They fall hardened. So this insensitivity, it's drowsy. It was used of the... um, Uh, numbness that came as the result of a sting from an insect, you become numb. You're insensitive. Speaking of Israel, but it's true of the Gentiles and in our own evangelism. Some people here, they know the songs, they know the choir, 
And if they grew up in a church family, they know all the inside language of church talk and the deacons, the elders, and some certain songs. But they don't get it. They don't get it. The natural man does not receive the things of God, neither can he, for they are spiritually discerned. Who enabled you to ever get it? God had to in elective mercies. Those being hardened don't get it. And he begins to tell you how bad it is that they don't get it. Listen to what he said. God gave them a spirit of stupor. They're always sleepy about God. They can't see it. They can't hear it to this very day. Their tables become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. He's quoting Psalm 69, the crucifixion of Messiah. And he's saying their table has become a snare. The table represented prosperity, fellowship, good times, uh, blessing. And he's saying what was meant to be a blessing to you, Israel, has become a curse. I sent you Messiah, the feast of feast. And you have let the coming of Messiah ruin your feast. And now your table has become a snare. You're stumbling and staggering through history with no direction. And your eyes are darkened. That's what's happening to the Jew. God is saving a remnant according to the election of grace. And the rest he is hardening. Hardening. That's why Jewish evangelism is so difficult. Very difficult. But we shouldn't abandon it. You probably were difficult. You know, how many of you believed the gospel the first time you heard it? The first time. Carol Justice says that. Okay. And Alan, you know, first time I heard I believed it. Man, I think I must have heard the gospel at least 500 times before I ever believed it. It wasn't believing it. I didn't want it. I wanted to go to heaven, but I didn't want to quit sinning. Anybody, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, you were there. If you were in church, God, you can have me at 80. You know, I surrender all at 80. Well, man, does that include the medicine? Don't give God your youth. He's liable to use you. But he won. He had his way hardened. And so he says, you've been staggering through history, and God has not given up on Israel, but he's hardened them. I give you a quote uh, that John Piper says. He said, God so arranges all reality in his unsearchable wisdom so that many indeed experience ongoing rebellion and hardness against God. But he does this mysteriously in such a way that he is never unjust or blameworthy in what comes to pass. And we never cease to be morally accountable for the hardness in the passage comes from two sources. Number one, the sovereign purpose of God has allowed for, and he began this hardening. You see in verse 8, to this very day they are hardened. 
But he says uh, in verse 25, there's coming a time he's going to remove it. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. God has determined the boundaries of the hardening. It had begun, and it will end when God completes his program among the Gentiles. And then God is going to remove that hardening, and he goes on to say he's going to save all of Israel. So it serves his purpose. What is this hardening based on? Two things. God's sovereign purpose of what he's working out among the nation. It's in his power. He starts it. He ends it. But the other thing is, in a verse we can miss, is verse 9. Their tables become a snare, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. The word retribution is a penalty word, a justice word. And that is the penalty word because of your rejection of the, the stone of Christ. Your table and your feet, you're going to be getting retribution. You're going to get paid back for your unbelief. Unbelief in Christ will never go without judgment. You cannot reject Christ and not suffer severe consequences. Um, that, that's, that is maybe the, what stinks about our message, the smell of death. Sometimes I feel like when I preach, it's what Ronnie led a friend of his to the Lord a few weeks back. Well, that Sunday morning, the message in the service was the aroma of life. Some weeks people go out, I don't believe a thing you said, I don't accept it, I don't want Christ, I don't buy what you guys say, I'm out of here, and I'm never coming back. And they don't. And uh, they perish. How can it be? The sun that melts the snow hardens the clay. The same gospel saves and hardens at the same time. And that is astounding. We don't want to hear it, but an evangelist greater than anybody in this room said it under the inspiration of the Spirit. It's just the way it is. We must admit it. John Newton, the profligate, slave trader, rapist, alcoholic, and the most obnoxious man in the king's navy, according to his own words, was approached by a man that uh, had despaired of a friend of his ever coming to Christ. And he used the word despaired. I've given up on him ever coming to know Christ. And John Newton said, I have never despaired of anyone ever being saved ever since God saved me. I think sometimes we're giving up on folks too easy that God hasn't given up on. Think of you, where you were when God found you. What God has gone through to really save you, keep you. Have you been easy to get along with as a Christian? Most of us haven't. And we certainly weren't having a big bunch of merit. Let us not despair. You got a child out there that doesn't know God? Maybe you got grandchildren that don't know God. It's never over. You know, I prayed for years 
Lord, I'm not making too much money in the early days in this church, but I said, if you would just give me my daughters, that would be pay enough. That would be enough. Well, God saved my daughters, and the church had been far better to me. But just those three girls was, to me, payday enough. I mean, I just, if you just give me my kids. Now I'm stuck. I've got 10 grandchildren. <laughs> and, and most of them are pretty young, but I, I don't know. Maybe I've got two that profess the faith. Maybe three, I don't know. But I'm saying, Lord, I'm starting all over again. What about you? Has God saved anyone in your family? Maybe you're going to be the evangelist. Some God may use you to lead to the Lord. The others may say, I don't want it. But just be sure they hear it. Don't give up. Don't give up until they stop breathing like a thief on the cross because God can turn them in a moment. In a moment. In a moment. And if you could save John Newton, who raped slaves, sold slaves, stayed drunk, stayed debauched, was an addicted gambler, even when he was a pastor, tell me, friend, God could save anybody. He could save anybody. And he could save that one you're about to give up hope on. Don't you do it. God is electing and God is hardening. And you don't know what he's doing with anyone. You just keep evangelizing. Keep praying. Don't stop until your breath is gone. And we'll leave the results with God. Our Father, we thank you and we tremble that we're in your hands and that we're not in charge. In a way, that's a sweet relief. I'd hate to be ultimately in charge of anybody's soul. But Father... We thank you that you chose us. We are humbled. We are grateful. It's something you couldn't buy. Something you couldn't earn. And uh, I think heaven's going to be a remarkable day, Lord. I think we're going to be surprised at who all makes it. And I think they're going to be surprised we made it. But it will all be because you picked us saved us, convicted us, put grace around us like a robe and said, they're going to be mine and I'll never turn back until I land them in heaven. Thank you for so great a salvation. Save our grandchildren, children, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, employer, employees, my neighbors, my friends. Oh, let us not be silent. Take the cotton out of the mouth of the church so that we could tell them the only way they can go to heaven. You can't get to heaven by being a good guy. You can't get to heaven by being nice. You've got to come to Christ. And you've got to say, I need a Savior. I am a sinner. Convict all the nice people in this place that don't think they need a Savior. Convince them they need grace. They cannot earn this. They need grace. I pray, do this for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
That'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series is called Israel's Past, Present, and Future, taken from chapters 9, 10, and 11 of the Book of Romans. It is available if you ask for it by name. Just ask for Israel's past, present, and future, and we'll send it out to you for a gift of $15 or more. And this is an eight-CD set, by the way. If you would like the entire 47 sermons out of the Book of Romans, that is available for a gift of $100 or more. And again, all of these gifts are tax-deductible, and they go right back to the radio broadcast. If you would like to be a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. You see, it's through your gifts and donations that we're allowed to continue the ministry here on KFAX. And as a TFT sustainer, no matter the size of your gift, and nothing is too small or too big, we'll send you a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. You'll also have access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. Call us for more information and all of the details, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You can also find out more about us at valleybible.org or write 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. You're welcome to join us for worship as well. We meet at 9 and 11 here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Directions and information can be found on our website, valleybible.org, or again, give us a call, 855-833-9864. We do thank you for joining us today and look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 